I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Hey, welcome today to the podcast. I am so excited about today's podcast because we have Charles Stock. He's a pastor friend of mine from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Him and his wife apostolically oversee their church, which has so many ministries involved with it. A lot of Randy Clark's ministry goes there. George M. Banoff and his wife go there. Uh, YWAM has a base there. The Burn has a base there. They have so many, uh, probably several hundred ministries revolve around their church, but they also do a lot in the community. And it's a very unique, unique church to be a part of. And you can stream them. We'll give you the information later on. But I want to encourage you to uh, just open your heart right now as Charles shares his stories, because as we're exploring the prophetic, one of the things that we're exploring today is how God leads us and transitions us. And a lot of people hear God enough to make the transition, but they don't stay plugged in in their intimacy enough to stay the full course and to where God's leading us to, because he's not just leading us to a destination, he's leading us to our promises. So let's get to our interview. I am so happy with my guest today. I've known him for many years. Him and his wife pastor a church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania that I love called Life Center. His name is Charles Stock, and Charles is a pastor of pastors. He's apostolic. I mean, this is the guy when I first started pastoring, I would watch how he treated his people, even in services and behind the scenes, and go, I want to be like Charles when I grow up. He's so full of love. He's so genuine. And I've got to spend time with you, Charles. And I just, I am so. You're one of those people that everybody who knows is blessed to even know you. Like they're just, I know this is a lot of admiration, but I'm serious. You're just an amazing human being. And so I'm so glad you'd be on the podcast today. Wow. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Do you like my, I, I'm, my I, secret admirer yeah, context? Yeah. I'm, I have this special head shrinking um, lotion I put on and people <laughs> give those kinds of things. <laughs> but you know, like there's certain people you can exaggerate about it, but you genuinely are like just you're a very pure person and I just really enjoy who you are. And so I'm glad you're on. And today we're going to talk on the show. We're going to talk about, uh, transitions, making big transitions because we're exploring the prophetic. And one of the things that's happened to you guys historically is God has led you and you've had to put everything on the line and make radical, like literally moving from coast to coast, decision-making power based on what you're hearing from God. And that's really scary for a lot of people to surrender on that level to the voice of God. So let's start out with your story because one of my favorite okay. stories you tell is how you got to Pennsylvania in the first place. All right. Well, um, you know, I, I grew up in the uh, Sierra Nevadas, just north of Yosemite National Park, and nice. in a resort town, a little town called Twain Heart. And my wife's family that was in, from San Francisco built a, a second home there. So we met when we were 14. We met Jesus when we were 21 and uh, got married and went to Santa Cruz for three years. And um, I went to Bible college and Lonnie Frisbee was our pastor. It was really Wow. For those of you who don't know who Lonnie Frisbee is, Lonnie Frisbee was (laughs) one of the key figures of the Jesus People movement, was on Time magazine on the cover for leading over a million people to the Lord. I mean, he was a crazy wild man for God. He was, yeah, and he remained our friend through thick and thin till wow. he passed away. But um, so we, anyway, we after our 
um, years in Santa Cruz, we ended up back up in the mountains, and I was hired by this uh, church that was like our home church when we first came to Lourdes, the church we went to. And uh, and so there was a father and a son there, and they hired me, and I, you know, mopped floors and did whatever no one else wanted to do. But <laughs> God began to prosper the the ministry, and it grew, and pretty soon the father went to a conference in Sacramento and came back and announced that we were all going to be co-pastors. This was the late 70s. It was oh, wow. kind of a fad. So I got this huge upgrade, you know, from gopher to co-pastor. <laughs> so for the next nine years, this place became phenomenal. We'd rotate in the pulpit, and it became famous for the presence of God and worship. And, and just there was such a thick presence of God in these meetings, and it grew relationally. We didn't have a plan. We, you know, we didn't have a lot of administrative expertise. And it actually, it got up to like a thousand people. It was huge. And wow. uh, at, after about nine years, my dear friend was being advised by some people that, you know, he could be like the next famous person, and that, but there needed to be a clear leader. And so it was the end of the co-pastoring era, which I thought was great, but we were like too close in the pe eyes of the people for him to feel secure. So he, he wanted me to sort of, you know, become the Sunday school superintendent or something. Oh, no. And, and it, after planting churches and pioneering mission schools and all this stuff, it was really a painful time. And we didn't understand it. It seemed so unjust. And like we, we were suffering on many levels. <clears throat> on top of that, we had gotten into some spiritual warfare that was over our head. So that's kind of the setup. And, oh, yeah, and this is the big one. We heard Joy Dawson pre uh, preach a message on the fire of God, and I prayed, God, burn up everything in me that's not Jesus. Oh, man. You know, and, and use the blowtorch. I'm not sure if that's a wise prayer. <laughs> God answered it. It sounds and, like And, uh, you know, he wow. used I think he enlisted the devil to do his work. You know how that works. Like the devil thinks he's killing you, but he's really just killing you for God. And <laughs> so it all comes out in the wash. And so there we are. We're in a lot of pain. This whole um, glorious season has like devolved into all this pain and agony. And we're feeling like, man, we're just rolled up. We're like a rolled up sail. We're not necessary. So I'm crying out, God, take us someplace where we'll, our hearts will be healed. And in the midst, like in this midst, so we had this really strong loyalty, like we were going to be doing this together forever. So this was kind of like um, only pain can get you to change some opinions you have, you know. So yeah. I'm crying out, and God sends prophets. And so Lonnie Frisbee got in there, and he gave me a word, run for your life, you know. <laughs> and and uh, Iverna Tompkins gave us a word, this is like Joseph and his brethren, you need to flee. So there was like, they were all lining up, and we thought, okay, God, where will we go? So I started praying, God, open a door so we can go someplace and be healed. And nothing opened up like in our familiar haunts, you know, California, maybe Oregon, maybe Hawaii. But, you know, we're all West Coasters. And uh, so that's kind of and nothing. And I'm crying out for months and only hear these really generic. I love you, my child. 
you know, those kind of words. Oh, and you're like, God, I want a real word. That's really the best word, isn't it? That you don't realize it at the time. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, God, not, whoa, did you forget about us? Meanwhile, there's this massive forest fire burning five miles from our house. Oh, so wow. I'd go out in the morning and pray and ashes would rain down on my head. And we were, we were super skinny because we were like stressed out, losing weight and couldn't tell anybody what was going on. And uh, so I, Vernon Tompkins in Scottsdale, Arizona, gets this letter from some people in Pennsylvania she doesn't even know, saying, we think you know someone who could be the pastor for our little group. And we have enough money saved up for one year salary, da-da-da. Iverna has no idea who these people are, but she is like, she has this project called Keeping Charlie and Ann Stock Alive, you know. So every week (laughs) she has an employee who calls us, and she's an old Pentecostal, and she says, Brother Stock, has anything opened up yet? No. You know, like, okay, we're praying for you. So one week she calls up, her name was Lois, still is, but uh, (laughs) Lois... Uh, said, well, what about those people in Pennsylvania? Did you call them? And I said, no. She said, why not? I said, we don't know anyone in Pennsylvania. <laughs> you don't even know who these people are. Like, we need it. You know, I'm picturing, I need a spiritual spa, you know, like where I'm going to be put in the oh Holy Spirit jacuzzi and get massages of tender, loving care. And, and so... I said, okay, Lois, I'll pray about it. So the next day I'm in my normal, like, crying out, crying, you know, speaking in tongues, feeling sorry for myself, prayer. (laughs) And I remember I told her I'd pray. So I said, oh, yeah, God, send that little group in Pennsylvania a a nice pastor. And as clear as a bell, I hear, I am, it's you. Wow. I'm I'm like, that was a bad prayer. You know, because I didn't want to hear that. You know, like what I'm like, hearing from your whole conversation is you don't like your prayer life very much. <laughs> that was not well, right. The blowtorch. I liked it, but it, it was just a season of frustration. Yeah, like I totally. wasn't getting all this. I've had all these years of blessing, and now it's like a year of meltdown, and uh, nothing's, you know, nothing's working. So, so I hear this, and I go home, and I say, hey, "Anne, have you ever prayed about that thing in Pennsylvania?" She said, "No." I said, "Why don't you pray?" Because I think I heard something. So she goes out into the woods by our house to her prayer spot. And she says, God, I feel like I'm in so much pain. I don't know if I'd trust myself. If you want us to move to Pennsylvania, let our house sell the first day it's on the market for the full price to the first person who walks in and let them pay cash. So she comes back with this lease or parts. And I'm so happy. I think this will never happen. And I'm going to quit ministry and I'm going to build houses and give lots of offerings to poor suffering pastors like me. <laughs> and this is my my own self-help plan. Man. And so we, you know, so we, okay, we have to do this. So we had built this house. It was a whole miracle thing. And we had built it cash and we didn't know any money on it. And our dream was to someday sell it and go to the mission field, which in our mind was like the Fiji Islands or someplace nice. And uh, <laughs> in our imagination, exotic, right? So so we meet with these realtors. We said, look, no multi-list, no sign. We don't want to freak people at the church out. Just list it in your office. And um, so... They, we had to list it for a week, but we're really only in, or three weeks, but we're only interested in 24 hours. So we list it. They call us Saturday morning. They said, okay, it's officially on the market. 
at 11 o'clock, they call us and say, this man wants to come see your house. So this guy comes and we leave and we take our kids for a walk and we come back and there's an offer on the table. And oh I think, my gosh. oh no, first day, first person. But who in their right mind would give a full price offer when they know you're the first person? This thing just hit the market. So I look at it, it's full price. Then I think, well, maybe he needs a mortgage. So I go down to the line where it says financing. None needed has cash. Wow. Oh, God. So 10 days later, we're in this U-Haul truck. And, uh, you know, so, <laughs> ah, and, um, you know, we gave away a lot of stuff. And we were leaving our home that we had known all our lives. And we're heading for Pennsylvania where we don't know a soul. We wondered if we were crazy. We wondered if we were destroying our lives. And here's the funny thing. When we got there, it was really bleak, disappointing, and painful. This little group was really <laughs> dysfunctional. Oh, man. And, and we're like, God. And I would lay on this frozen field and cry out, God, what's my crime? What did I do? Why are you doing this to me? You know? And it was such a, it was a dark night of the soul. And I, I just prayed and cried out. And God healed me of so many things. And I... You know, I totally forgave my my friends of the injustice of the situation. Like, you know, I would think I was really fine. Then I would remember stuff and I'd get, oh, and I'd go back and forgive and forgive and forgive until I was totally clear and I loved my friends. And, you know, it's an amazing thing. Like this all took place once we got to Pennsylvania. There was like at least six months where we had no clue what we were even doing there. It oh, just wow. felt like punishment. And then uh, we closed down this little church and our kids, we were taking our kids to a big church that had a youth group that they liked. We visited a few in this. Okay, so we went there. And interestingly, I had met the pastor of that church the second day I was in Pennsylvania. And interestingly, in May of that year, this is 1987, they had gotten this like rock the church word from a prophet that said, in the fall, I will send an apostle and he will do the work of a pastor and on and on. And so they were all like wondering, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Oh, wow. And, I, and we, we arrived in October 1987 and I met him the second day and he told all his inner circle, I met the guy. But he didn't tell me. Six months later, we're in the church on a Sunday morning because we Wait, he closed knew down prophetically the, that you were Yeah, in. he just... He recognized, I, I think I, I mean, met the guy. Yeah. That's radical. Like he'd met you one yeah. time and you're pastoring yeah. and a small then broken down church. We ended up, uh, you know, attending there uh, like Sunday nights or whenever the youth group met. And I remember he said to me, what are you doing here? And I said, well, you know, we came to lead this little church. And he said, well, you know, sometimes you come to a place and you think you're there for one reason, but you're actually there for something else. And that was kind of this mysterious, like, yeah, I hope that's true. You know, like, <laughs> I was thinking like, man, I've been like downgraded. You know, I, I went for this amazing church that had a reputation for the presence of God and to eight people that were really grouchy oh, and, no. uh, and, you know, not good church planting material. So not a good team. And uh, so he, he invited me to preach when he said, I told him I closed down the church and he invited me to preach. And uh, so, you know, a few weeks later, I preached it. The, and I was having like a catharsis, you know, I was really like 
full of joy and laughing because like, wow, I'm actually preaching in a real church. You know, it's like, and the next day he took me out to lunch. He played the, the tape of this prophecy and he said, we all think you're the guy. Oh my gosh. And so a month or two later, they gave me a little salary and he brought me on as like his senior associate pastor because he was overseeing some churches they had planted and it was like nine months from the time we arrived to that part of the story. And then the story gets even weirder after that. But now we're like, okay. And we thought, well, at least there was a reason for coming here. And thought, that's oh okay, you know. Like, <laughs> and then the, the story after that takes this really weird turn. And it gets even more glorious. But that's how we got to Pennsylvania. And on top of that, we had both grown up in beautiful places and grew up in San Francisco by China Beach, Lincoln Park, nice. Baker Beach, you know. Yeah, that's really. And I'd grown up in the Sierras and we had lived in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And when we got to Pennsylvania, we had this group, this little group had recommended a townhouse for us. So we signed a, a lease without seeing it. And it was so ugly. Oh no! And we and we our view was uh, it was this Exxon oil oil tank farm next to a railroad track, like these huge oil tanks where they would store oil, and that was our view, you know, instead of the beautiful mountains. Wow, <laughs> it's really interesting ocean. though because you think of the process of God and yeah. how. Yeah, I he mean, was. <laughs> we're not doing our own process. We're we're leaning into God, saying, "I'll follow you," and. I think a lot of people get stuck in the middle of that, you know, that transition place where they just, not everybody comes out of that transition the way you guys did beautifully, where you're saying, you're, I'm going to let you care, give my soul, God. I mean, a lot of people to me would probably go and do whatever they could in their own strength to fix the situation. And so to me, even the fact that you guys stayed there and looked at it as like, I'm in your hands, God. And during that, it sounds like he healed your heart in a beautiful way that can only happen when you're not in intense activity, when you're when you're thriving and succeeding in a lot of things, you can hide bitterness and resentment so easily in the midst of activity. So what an intense journey where he pruned a bunch of stuff out of you guys before yeah. you know, the next oh, season. Man. Yeah, no, I mean it's absolutely true. Like we were so humbled, all our sense of competency or success was just like right down to the rock bottom of like Jesus loves me. I, one time I, I came walking, I remember I was walking down the stairs in this uh, townhouse, and I forget what it was. There was, you know, there were, in the, kind of in California, there was a lot of injustice, and a lot of stuff was stripped away from us. And we, we were young. We didn't try to defend ourselves. We didn't even know what was going on. And it wasn't intentional. You know, we were just sure. young. We were in our mid-30s, and... You know, everybody gets kind of excited about their plan. <laughs> you know, so the plan was we needed to go away and it and we had poured our lives in there. So but by the end of this process, you know, my friend that I co pastored with in California actually went home to be with the Lord about um seventeen years ago. But you know, within a couple of years we were his best friends again. Wow. When when he died he wanted us to come back and take the church. And we couldn't because we were already like in the middle of this big miracle in 
Pennsylvania and we knew, man, it'll just all fall apart. It, it was the property, you know, that Kim Clement prophesied. But, but yeah, they traveled like we were in the early days of the renewal. We were traveling and, and they would um, say, hey, could we, could we travel with you? You know, like our, our dear friends, Steve and Debbie. And, and so it was absolutely restored. And, uh, and actually, it was kind of a Joseph story because when he was dying, they couldn't find a successor. And he had been a really powerful leader till the last few years of his life. And, uh, and we, God used us. We located a guy. We met him. Wow. He was in Berlin. He'd been in Berlin, Germany for 22 years. And, and we set um, this guy in. His name's Dennis. And his lovely German wife, we set them in there, I don't know, 15 years ago, poured oil over them, all this stuff, and they're still there. Wow, <laughs> so that's amazing. Like, it had a happy ending, you know, in California as well as it, in Pennsylvania. And that's the great thing, you know, like, God loves everybody. Even, even if someone, like, is bad to you, or you think they're bad to you, they're, God's not going to kill them. <laughs> he's gonna make he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna make them better you know <laughs> well and i i love to yeah. especially when yeah. you're following out uh, a journey where you're there's intimacy as a goal it's like you start to hear god and it's not that you have rose-colored glasses on you literally see through his eyes so you get a different outcome you get a different result relationally when there needs to be restoration you're looking for a different result than just like fix this get them to repent to me it's not about that anymore it's not about you it's about what's at stake in the big picture and i mean talk about a beautiful restoration for those who don't know charles uh the church that they pastor is big <laughs> and and the, they have hundreds of churches and ministries that relate to their church as kind of home you know hub and they've just been so good at spreading their their wings or their branches, their their arms over so many people and loving so many people. But it really came from this foundational place of of obedience and connection, letting your heart. You guys are so vulnerable. So I so appreciate you. That's all the time we have today, which I hate because I love everything you're saying. But tell us how to visit you at Life Center or how to get a hold of you. If somebody wanted you to come and speak at their church or be involved with their ministry, how would we do that? Okay. Um, well, the, the church is called Life Center, and uh, it's in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Actually, it's Life Center Ministries International, and we called it that when we were in this casket warehouse in the inner city. <laughs> Wesley Campbell used to think that was the most hilarious. Name. <laughs> and now... Now it's are, real. You it's know, there. You manifest yeah, it. Yeah, now it's really international. But uh, So... Uh, our website is LCMI, like the initials of Life Center Ministries International, .org. And then there's there's also a .tv that does live live streams and things. And, and you can Google it. I'm, I'm not live very good Live stream, for real, marketing. live stream. What, follow yeah. these guys because they have epic stream, events, epic services. videos, yeah. And uh, so lots of fun. Well, thanks for being so, on the show today. We so appreciate you, Charles. Man, Sean, it's so good to hear your voice. Thank you for joining us today on Exploring the Prophetic. I'm your host, Sean Bowles, and I want to encourage you to continue the conversation with us. Go to our website, www.bowlesministries.com. Also, let's continue the conversation together on our Facebook page. And if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe to it. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together. 